if I had my pick, everything everywhere all at once wins best picture. Oh, I know. I need to see it still. It's up for like the most awards. They have best picture, best lead actress, best supporting actor, best supporting actress. They're all over the place. It reignited how my love for like going to the movies and watching movies because it was so different and so unique and told such a cool story and it was hysterical. Yeah, it's up for the most. This is a this is a movie podcast now. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I highly encourage everyone go watch everything everywhere all at once. You will not be disappointed. It's really wacky, really weird, super funny, really emotional. I loved every minute of it. Amazing. Reused by Bob. It's a new segment. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Talking Underwater. One water, one podcast. I'm Bob Crossan, Senior Managing Editor of Wastewater Digest. And I'm Katie Johns, Managing Editor of Stormwater Solutions. And in this month's episode of Talking Underwater, we will share brief highlights of the EPA's Effluent Limitation Guidelines Plan 15, an overview on a potential pricing model for water utilities, and a look at the U.S. Geological Survey Groundwater Study about the connection between groundwater sources and agricultural use. Finally, our interview this month is with Daniel Gaddy. He's the managing editor for Water Technology, Processing, and Processing Instrumentation, all of which are Endeavor Business Media publications, much like the ones that Katie and I manage. Gaddy and I discuss the trends in industrial water and wastewater sector and what that likely means for business opportunity in 2023. But before we get to the news, we want to share with you a nice, cool offer that Katie can tell you a little bit more about. Yeah, so... We, Endeavor Business Media and the Water Group, host StormCon every year, and this year it is in Dallas, Texas from August 29th to 31st. We're very excited. We're going to have an exhibit floor and educational sessions and all that good stuff, and we have managed to get an exclusive um, registration discount for Talking Underwater listeners. So if you want to attend StormCon, you can visit bit.ly slash stormconreg2023 and use the code onewater 10 all caps, to get a 10% off of your registration for the show. We will also include all of this at the end of the show notes so you can um, double check all the spelling and information. But um, before that, we will get to our news from Bob. Yeah, so the first thing we wanted to talk about is the U.S. EPA Effluent Limitation Guidelines Plan 15. The preliminary ELG Plan 15 had been published in the Federal Register for comment in September of 2021, and with this announcement this month, EPA is noting its intention to revise that plan. Highlights of those intentions include the need to reduce PFAS in landfill leachate and in industrial discharges. It also includes the intent to expand research into PFAS discharges from textile manufacturers, to study influent, to publicly owned treatment works, to better characterize the PFAS concentrations from industrial discharges, and it also intends to handle a new study on concentrated animal feeding operations to identify if additional regulations are needed there as well. Now, you can read this entire report on the EPA website, and we'll also have it linked in the show notes below. It's a bit lengthy, a little over 60 pages, but so I haven't really had a lot of time to go through all of it quite yet, but it's obviously a really critical resource for wastewater professionals, and I really encourage you to familiarize yourselves with it and get a better understanding of kind of what in EPA's intentions are, but we'll talk a little bit about some of these elements, too, in the interview with Daniel Gaddy, because... Uh, a lot of this is centered on those industrial users, especially in regards to PFAS. So we talk a little bit at, about that in our interview also. But uh, Katie, how about the USGS groundwater study as well as the uh, information from Stantec and U.S. Water Alliance? 
Yeah, thanks. So a recent report from the U.S. Geological Survey found that groundwater in the Smith and Mason Valleys, which make up a key agricultural region in Nevada, um, is being used faster than it can be replenished. The report, which documented water level changes between 1970 and 2020, estimates that groundwater storage volume declines of 287,600 acre feet in Smith Valley and 269,000 acre feet in Mason Valley. Even during the wet years, the nearby Walker River, which provides irrigation water for tens of thousands of acres in California and Nevada, was not able to recharge the supply enough. Um, the full news item is on the Stormwater Solutions website um, that has a little bit more detail. But of course, um, this is unfortunately some some news we're seeing more and more of. So we'll be keeping track of it um, on Stormwater Solutions. And, and it also is on the Water Quality Products website, too, to, to track some groundwater information. And our final news item um, is a new report from Stantec and the U.S. Water Alliance. So using Milwaukee and Cincinnati as examples, Stantec and the U.S. Water Alliance discovered that property values for a customer generated more equitable water bill outcomes than using water usage rates for billing. The report is titled A Promising Water Pricing Model for Equity and Financial Resilience. It aims to show how pricing water with a cost-based approach that uses property characteristics rather than usage rates could increase fixed revenue while also addressing affordability concerns. The 40-page report also highlights this pricing model to guide utilities through their own restructuring, including protection for outliers, cost of service considerations, rate design considerations, revenue considerations, state, legal, and regulatory context, municipal context, tax considerations, administrative burden on utilities, community engagement and collaboration and messaging and framing. If you would like to take a deeper read of this report, you can check the show notes of the episode for a link. Um, this kind of billing experimentation appears to only be growing in popularity as conversations on affordability continue to gain ground um, in the industry. So we'll, we'll be keeping tabs. Yeah, I think that these are really interesting. We've heard about some things happening in like Baltimore where they're trying some unique things to improve equity there. Hearing that Cincinnati mm -hmm. and Milwaukee are addressing this as well. Milwaukee historically a very um a very racially divided city, considered to be one yeah. of the most racially divided in the United States and um oftentimes that ends up being a proxy or a kind of a, a way to identify um, different income levels as well. It's not always the perfect answer, but um, hearing that Milwaukee was part of this and trying to identify some unique or experimental ways of addressing billing concerns and addressing affordability while also like raising r raising enough revenue like to offset uh, reductions in costs for certain uh, customers is really interesting. Um, I, I, I would, I need to take a much deeper read on this cause it, it, it sounds really interesting, but I can imagine that there's going to be a lot of utilities that are hearing this and probably thinking this is crazy and it's yeah. not going to work for me. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah. so I, the, again, I really just encourage people to take a look at this and keep an open mind about things like this, because even if it doesn't work for you, it might work for somebody else. And maybe there's some that this type of experimentation will lead to the answer for you. Um, so anyway, that's all I wanted to say on that. But uh, now we can talk to Daniel Gaddy. He's a managing editor for water technology, processing, and processing instrumentation. We talked a little bit about the industrial water and wastewater market, some of the business opportunity there, and trends that are influencing those business decisions.
Yeah, so now we're joined by Daniel Gaddy. He's the managing editor of Water Technology, Processing and Processing Instrumentation, three different brands and the Endeavor Business Media Company, of which Wastewater Digest and Stormwater Solutions are also a part. Thank you so much for being here, Daniel, and, and talking to us about the industrial sector when it comes to the water market. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Bob. It's great to be talking with you. Yeah, we don't get to dive too deep into the industrial market all that often with our with our publications, so it's nice to have you here. Could you talk about some of the trends that you've recognized in the market and ways that industrial users are looking at their water sources or their wastewater sources and what they're kind of looking at there? Sure, sure. Well, you know, like you said, um, you know, water uh, conservation and sustainability are, re remain a huge, huge topic uh, for us. Um, you, you know, it's kind of a big topic when you see beverage companies uh, pledging to be net or water positive. Mm -hmm. uh, that that's been the case. Uh, you know, PepsiCo is is one that comes to mind. We did an article about them. Um, they um, use this uh, technology from AquaCycle. Uh, let me. I had it written down where I won't mess it up. It's bioelectrical. <laughs> I already did. Sorry. Bioelectrochemical treatment technology, which is a uh, modular on-site wastewater treatment um, and uses, I, I believe, bacteria and is also um, kind of generates its own power. So in, in addition to... Um, you know, treating treating some of the water, it also um, kind of offsets uh, greenhouse gas emissions. So it's uh, uh, because PepsiCo, not, in addition to being net water positive, was also uh, pledging to be um, net zero emissions. So it's a, a kind of a win-win with that technology mm -hmm. for them. And also there's Keurig, Dr. Pepper, that also set a goal of uh, net water positivity by 2050. Um and and two, you're seeing a lot of uh, data companies with, with servers. Um, you know those are those are cooled by water, and they're they're pledging to uh, you know conserve water. One that comes to mind, um, uh, a big one is Amazon Web Services, which is you know probably if not the biggest, certainly one of the biggest pr provider of kind of cloud computing and mm -hmm. stuff. So so it uses a lot of water, and they've they've uh, pledged to to conserve as well. So it's it's a big topic for sure. Yeah, it seems like ESG goals, environment, sustainability, and governance goals are really coming to the forefront for a lot of these companies because they recognize not only the help it does for their bottom line, but also the public, the positive press they get out of it too. Oh for, yeah, yeah. Uh, for for going after that, um, are there technologies that you're seeing as kind of like driving that those sustainability measures? You talked about that bioelectrochemical treatment technology being one. Are there other things that are out there that these companies are looking at when it comes to technology for for this particular? trend right yeah well uh, you know the the emphasis on sustainability is kind of leading to a big uh, driving demand for uh, digital water solutions mm -hmm. seeing a lot of that we uh, had a story uh, from research through uh, that uh, excuse me research that frost and sullivan did and they found digital water solutions are likely to grow from let me see 27.1 billion in 2021 to 63 billion in 2025 wow. so yeah yeah huge jump um and, and another thing i'm seeing uh you know with with data analytics uh, especially you know it's it's a big cost to completely redo a system and uh have that for a company so a lot of companies are uh, that offer data analytics and things like that they're trying to find ways where it, they can incorporate it with existing technology where it's not such a huge upfront cost because a lot of companies, you know, they can't, they can't do just a total rehaul. So uh, we're seeing, saw a lot more of that. I think this year of companies trying that are offer those services, try to do it with, with existing technology where it's not just a complete rehaul, if that makes sense.
Yeah, so like using existing assets that that company might already have and then tying them or looping them into these digital technologies so that you don't have to spend on everything. You can just kind of piecemeal your way to a better future, essentially. Precisely. Yeah, that's that's a big movement in, even in the municipal sphere, I think, as well, because there's a lot mm -hmm. of utilities that have sensors and stuff like that, and they're not really smart utilities until they start getting that data analytics and whatnot. But being able to bring the, the sensor data in and centralize it is kind of like the start of that. So mm -hmm. it's interesting mm -hmm. that that's a corollary kind of between these giant corporations and then some of these really small utilities that are running into right. that same problem. Exactly. Yeah, well, what what about like business trends? I know in, in the municipal water sector, we're seeing a lot of mergers and acquisitions there. I imagine you're probably seeing a lot on the industrial side. Uh, is there a focus on different markets at all? Is US up and coming? Is, it, is Europe more the area? Like what are kind of like those broader trends from the business perspective? Uh, definitely seeing a lot of, uh, of uptick in mergers, I, I believe, and in, in, in we cover mainly U.S. and North America, so we're seeing a lot of it there. Um, I, I think that, you know, just ties in with, with the economy and concerns, uh, you know, about uh, economic downturn. Their companies are trying to be more streamlined, you know, more um, having more resources, so, so the mergers kind of help with that. Um, just recently, uh, we ran a story about Badger Meter acquiring Cyrenix, uh, uh, which is a company that provides high-frequency pressure monitor, monitoring and leak detection. So that's that's kind of example. Also, seen a lot of partnerships. Um, one example, Ecolab and Siemens uh, partnered for this uh, thing called Climate Intelligence. It's this kind of solution that offers um, companies virtual modeling scenarios, so they can kind of look at water energy systems and identify opportunities can serve not just water, but power as well. And uh, another example, uh, Schlumberger uh, partnered with Gradient to, to make um, battery-grade lithium compound, that, that whole process make that more efficient. So that's kind of the things. And fewer, seeing fewer of um, expansions, which I, can, I think kind of um, ties into, you know, concerns about the economy. They're not maybe thinking about capital investments as much though we did see uh salinas uh, announce a 40 million dollar expansion so that that was neat yeah Cyrenix is a is an interesting one i i remember speaking with the ceo of that i did an interview with him i think last april and it's really interesting to see the trajectory that they've had now being acquired by badger meter because it seemed like their stuff was performing so well and it's really exciting to kind of see the growth of of some of those smaller companies moving into a bigger markets and whatnot, especially mm -hmm. since they're UK based, you know, that's, right. that's also a really interesting thing to note. So they obviously see some value then on the U S market on the municipal side. So I imagine they're probably seeing it from that industrial sector as well. I would, I would agree. Yeah, absolutely. What, what about regulations? Obviously I think this year for the municipal municipal sector, regulations were an insanely important topic. There's across, especially with PFAS, just across the entire water cycle. Um, are there things that industrial users are looking at when it comes to the regulations that they're needing to pay attention to? Well, what you mentioned, you know, PFOS for the for the first time is kind of well, not for the first time, but here recently has been an increased um, um, topic for industrial because in the past it was mainly focused on the regulations were mainly fo focused on the drinking water municipal side, but um, I think in August the EPA designated it as a hazardous waste under CERCLA, so that means you know industries that have PFOS past a certain amount they're going to have to you know think about reporting it and controlling it. So that's only going to continue to be a, a big concern as, as it becomes, as it continues to be uh, a concern in, you know, public wise, uh, you mm -hmm. know, and, and there's attention through that. Um, 
one example, 3M uh, announced that they they would end PFAS manufacturing by 2025. Um, you know, and and there's there's a lot of state laws that are going to come in um, this year. Um, Maine, I think, for for one example. Mm-hmm. So there's there's a lot of uh, more regulation that that um, industrial people are gonna gonna have to think about, and that's uh, kind of that's leading into many companies trying to look for solutions to that problem cuz you know certainly until just recently there was there was wasn't really a, a lot of op- a lot of uh options as as far as how to deal with PFAS so you know there's you're seeing companies uh tr- try to um you know invest in research and development to uh put put new methods into place for for disposing of it or storing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, one example, 347 Water uh, just uh, got approved for a pilot program to destroy PFAS for the Navy. And there's also Battelle uh, that has this uh, technology called Annihilator, PFAS Annihilator Destruction Technology. It's this kind of closed-loop on-site um, system that's powered by uh, supercritical water oxidation, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. So there's that's that's kind of a an example of that. Another kind of regulatory issue is is a coal ash that that came up this year. Um, they're um, not not exactly huge seismic shifts on on the regulatory, but you know the EPA has indicated that it's going to stop granting these kind of deadline extensions for ponds um, to to stop taking the waste and um, more more they're going to announce more plans for future regulations. So that's that's kind of a concern on the horizon for anybody who's uh, operating coal fired plants. Yeah, those coal ash ponds, that that's, seems to have been an issue kind of undercurrent for a couple of years now. I remember it being something of concern even just like three to four years ago. It sounds like it's still an issue for some, some facilities. Oh, yeah. Well, and, and I wanted to jump back just briefly on the circle thing with uh, PFAS. This is obviously an area that we've covered a lot from the municipal side. And the concern on the municipal side is that such, this designation can essentially determine that a drinking water facility or a wastewater facility is now a hazardous location or a Superfund site because it deals with PFAS, mm-hmm. even though it doesn't make up. So it's really, right. it, it sounds like uh, it's really interesting. And I think that really following that, whether you're in the municipal sector or the industrial sector, is going to be a really important thing for 2023, especially as we learn more about the impact of PFAS and biosolids on the public. We will get new effluent limitation guidelines as well on, mm-hmm. on the municipal mm-hmm. side. All those things start to feed into each other, uh, and they all kind of come come and coalesce together, and it forces permit agencies to treat industrial users in, in similar ways to municipalities, if not more strict. So right. um, I think it's really – yeah, I'm glad that you brought that up because it is a, a really big issue on the municipal side, and it's it's interesting to hear the value that the value that's being placed on it in the industrial sector as well. Mm-hmm. What, what about uh, stormwater? Uh, stormwater's been a massive concern, it seems like, for the municipal sector for a couple of years now. You've seen increasingly heavy storms and dealing with that. Is that something that the the industrial side is looking at quite yet, or is that still not a major issue and only applies to certain folks? Well, you know, uh, for us, it's, that's not on our radar uh, for water technology a huge bit. Obviously, you know, it's, it is a concern for in, industrial uh, uh, companies because there, there's regulatory issues and compliance and things like that. But that's for us, it's not one of those kind of issues that fluctuates. Uh, so, so it's kind of just this, this standard thing. But, it, of course, also there's, you know, we, we're not trying to step on stormwater uh, magazines' toes as, <laughs> as water tech. So, you know, we, we let them handle that. So it's uh, not not as big on our radar. Yeah. 
Well, thank you so much, Daniel. I appreciate you taking the time. For everyone who's listening, could you share some locations where people can find some more information about the industrial sector, maybe your, your websites and stuff like that? Oh, yeah. We'd, we'd love it if they visit our ed, uh, website, watertechonline.com. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Daniel. It's great to, great to chat with you again, and hopefully we can see you at a trade show in the near future. And uh, yeah, we'll talk, talk to you later. It's been a pleasure, Bob. Thanks so much. Thanks so much, Daniel, for taking the time to talk to me about the industrial sector. It's always a pleasure to chat with you and learn a little bit about your area of the industry, get get some better insights on what people are thinking in that in that arena. Uh, so yeah, thank you once more. It was uh, really pleasurable to, to talk to you about that, and I, I hope we can do so down the line in the future. But let's move on to housekeeping. Let's start with WQP, Katie. The WQP State of the Industry Report is now live on the magazine's homepage, wqpmag.com. You can read that for the full results of our State of the Industry Survey, and it also links to our 2023 Industry Outlook. Um, and in that, we have numerous um, excerpts from industry associations and professionals on how they think this year will go. Um, Bob, do you want to do Wastewater Digest? Yeah, so... Water and Waste Digest is now Wastewater Digest, and the first issue of Wastewater Digest will be available online on February 7th, so please visit www.dmag.com magazine to learn more, read it. There's I have an association outlook from several associations in the wastewater space. I also have our State of the Industry report in there, and we also have a couple articles and products that may be of interest to you. So please check that out on February 7th when it goes live. I also wanted to point you to the Top Projects video interviews that I conducted. There are a handful that I will be publishing over the next couple of weeks or so. Um, you can find the first one on Wastewater Digest called The Grand Connection. This is a video interview on the Great Lakes Water Authority's construction of a connecting tunnel to inspect a sewer interceptor for the first time in 90 years. I definitely encourage you to check it out. You can also watch it on our YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash at symbol wastewater digest. And while you're there, please hit the subscribe button. And last but not least, for Stormwater Solutions, I am happy to say that our Young Pros and Industry Icon nominations are now open for this year. Um, you can make all of your nominations by March 1st at www.estormwater.com nominations to make your submission. So if you know a rising industry star, submit them for Young Pros. And if you know a longtime industry leader, they'd probably make a great industry icon. So go ahead and visit the link for more information. And as a reminder, like I said earlier in this episode, Episode, we do have a special discount code for our listeners to attend StormCon this year. So again, the show is from August 29th to 31st in Dallas, and you can visit bit.ly slash StormConReg2023 and use the code OneWater10 for a 10% off um, registration. So we hope to see you there. And with that, don't forget to like, subscribe, and share on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Spotify. You can also reach us at talkingunderwater at endeavorb2b.com to share your thoughts and give us a follow on Twitter at TUWpodcast. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks, everyone.